podcast one production. Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years, reporting on all the Aussie stars, from Hoags to the Hemsworths, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and beyond. This is Aussies in Hollywood. So I first met Emily DeRaven almost 20 years ago on the Paramount Pictures lot in Hollywood. She was fresh off the plane from Australia and had been cast in a sci-fi series called Roswell. The next time we caught up, about five years later, was in Hawaii on the set of Lost, a show that became a cultural phenomenon during its seven seasons and gave Emily the chance to also play an Aussie that time. In Hollywood, having a show that runs that long is like lightning in a bottle. But for Emily, it happened again when she joined the cast of another iconic show, the fractured fairy tale drama Once Upon a Time. She played Beauty and the Beast's Belle for another seven seasons until that series wrapped earlier this year. Emily invited me into her home in Los Angeles, which she shares with fiancé filmmaker Eric Billich and their two-year-old daughter Vera, to talk about her early dance career, her memorable TV roles, and what the heck was one of her three dogs doing with my toes under the table while we were talking? Here's Emily. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Emily. Thank you for asking me to, Jenny. I've been <laughs> wanting to for ages. Have you? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love I love listening to you and talking to you. So. Oh, and thanks. I love you. I, and we just talked about that. God, we've known each other for a very long time. Well, when was Roswell was 1999, right? Well, it started, yeah, it started in 99. I moved out here for that job. Well, I moved out to audition for the job. I can get back to that, but that was 2000. And almost 20 years later, and now we're sitting in your beautiful home in Altadena. Um, and um, I always like to tell people where we are. We're just sitting in your living room. How long have you been living here? Nearly three years. We moved just a little bit further east because we wanted more space and wanted a bit more of a peaceful still it's still kind of LA but it's not LA you don't feel like you're in LA but you're only you know a little yeah Altadena Pasadena that whole area yeah. is lovely and quiet it's, and, and it's great green for kids. And so I should say Emily has a gorgeous two-year-old mm -hmm. Jira two, yeah. and her husband Eric is a talented filmmaker and you have a mother-in-law close by for babysitting I hear we do we do so that's lovely so let's go back to the beginning because uh, I didn't know you grew up in Mount Eliza you're a Victoria girl yeah didn't um, you know that no so it's sort of more of a country upbringing than a city one would you say can you talk a little uh, bit about it yeah 100% more country I mean I was actually I was born in Eltham and then we moved down to Mount Eliza and I sort of started school down there um, yeah, we always had a lot of land. We had a couple of acres in Eltham. So yeah, I mean, I was I was a, a child of the outdoors though. That was that's and it still is. That's my happy place. That's where I feel my best and more grounded and at peace. And you know, it's also nice to be able to have living sort of in LA. Have a little bit of that here. Were you a, a very creative outdoors kid? Were you always making things up um, that way? And what was your experience in terms of exposure to film and television back then? I was always sort of making these up, you know, there was always, there were always fairies that lived in the flowers and, you know, making little lands and little houses and I wasn't a huge TV watcher. You know, my, my parents didn't not let me watch TV, but, you know, I, I didn't have it on first thing in the morning or all day or anything like that. 
I didn't really watch that much kids programming, the Smurfs here and there. And then movie-wise would be like Mary Poppins and Pollyanna, those kind of movies. I wasn't for some reason attracted to, ironically, Disney animation. <laughs> I was also a very active kid and that got me into gymnastics. And which then, led and to dance? Which led to ballet, yeah. And then, yeah, that became like my life basically. You know, all my friends were ballet friends and I, I excelled, I loved that and ended up after grade six at school just doing that full-time with homeschooling. So you took ballet, you started taking ballet seriously when you were around like 15 or so, is that right? No, probably like Before 11, that? 12, 12, because that's when I was, you know, it was sort of a decision, are you going to go to a high school, normal high school, or are you going to do a full-time ballet? I also was not a child that enjoyed normal school. I like learning. I don't like learning in the way that school was teaching me. And maybe that's just the school I went to, I don't know, but basically anything else was amazing. And I love ballet, so that worked out. So it was a special kind of high school that you focused on dance or? Yeah, well, it was a few different things. I moved around, it was all in Melbourne, all around Melbourne. And then from there, I got into the Oz Ballet School when I was, what, 15 turning 16. Which was, you know, And dream. so that's the really big prestigious, that, yeah, like that's, that's like, it, you're going like, to be a ballerina. That's like you really have to screw up for you not to get into the Oz Ballet Company or another ballet company. And before that too I was doing like their associate programs that you get into, you audition and you get in and you go like Saturday morning and you do class with the, the ballet school teachers there. And I did a few performances with the company, like the Nutcracker and, you know, playing like the, the, the child dancer and no so it was it was a lot of fun um and then I guess teenage years took a hold of me <laughs> and decided that I wanted to do something different that I was not sure why but I'm going to be an actor and that was that so you were almost like ready to go into the full-on Australian ballet company know, sort of somewhere during my first year there I just I don't know I don't I don't think I fell out of love with it just, it just, I just felt different about it. And I think a lot of that is just going through that time of your life and, you know, what do I want to do? Who am I? Is this me? Is this not me? I, you know, and you still don't really know for a while. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I just kind of had this idea that I was going to do that and I had a very, very supportive mother. So with her support, I, yeah, I, I, I guess essentially dropped out after first year and then, it's like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna act. What do I need? What do I do? <laughs> you yeah, know? So what do you do at that you, point? Apparently, you read a bunch of magazines <laughs> about Los Angeles. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I did, a, I did NIDA, right? You know, for anyone that doesn't know, you know, huge, amazing acting school up in Sydney who does workshops, week workshops um, over Australia in all the major cities, like once a year, I think. At least I used to. So you did the workshop. And I did a workshop to see if I liked it and to see if I was any good and I got some tape from that doing a breakfast club scene and a monologue from Clueless. By the way, what is your dog doing over there? I can hear the chewing under the table. No, that one just likes to lick his feet when he's been clipped. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, oh, exposed skin. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. All right, that's the that's sound I'm hearing. That's what we can hear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not licking Jenny's toes. <laughs> we won't do that on the podcast. 
That's for the other podcast. That's, the, that's for, exactly. Shh. That's a, that's one you really have to subscribe to. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we'll go back now in case anyone's hearing that in the background. Like, I just could. I knew it was under, no, under right. the table. No, you're right. That is a weird noise if you don't know what. <laughs> Oh God! Um, but okay, no, okay. So you did the NIDA so workshop. The you got some workshop. tape. I got my tape, and I I sent it to some managers in Melbourne. I have this manager who I bless him. Can't remember his name. Melbourne Artists Management, though. He's retired now, and he he took me on, and I went on auditions, and I booked. Um, I don't know. I was I was gonna. I had like. I had neighbours and I had Beastmaster. I didn't. I didn't book neighbours. I was like, I can't even really remember. I think I didn't go on like the final callback because when I read they want you to sign like a ten-year contract, I was like, what? I'd be, you know, twenty-seven years old. I don't know what I want to do when I'm twenty-seven. So that kind of scared me, and I did Beastmaster, which in the end led me to LA. So. Well, now, for people who don't know, Beastmaster was an American series filming in Australia, Yeah, right? everyone on it basically was Australian, but, yeah, it was an American production shot up on the Gold Coast. and um, It was kind of one of those fantasy... Yeah, well, they did the Beastmaster movies what, in the 80s, I think, right? Yeah. 80s, 90s. And, yeah, it was a series. I, I did, I think, basically did a year on it. Well, that must have been exciting. <laughs> you moved out of Melbourne and... Well, Went to I, live on the Gold Coast yeah, for a year? Yeah, my mum came. I, I was back and forth. I wasn't in every episode. So I was able to come back and forth. And my mum would come up sometimes or I'd be there on my own a little bit sometimes. And it was, yeah, it was a sort of a big adult feeling part of my life for the first time that I was embracing something really scary but really exciting and not on my own support-wise but in a way on my own so that was pretty cool from that I I was I was gonna come out here I had come out here once before that let me let me stop myself before I did that workshop I'm like I should just go to LA and my cousin who still lives out here she's been living out here for a long time she's a lot older and with her family and actually ended up meeting some people making some contacts then then went home did the workshop got the tape combination with sending the tape back over here to agencies and then Roswell was casting and because of Beastmaster they thought that I was American even though the accent was probably terrible. Well, the, the accent <laughs> was good enough yeah it was good enough for them right and we're just like you know just calling for an audition I'm like oh cool it's pilot season whatever that is didn't know then I'll come out so that ended up just working out as a seven-episode arc and then they put me on as a regular. Had you finished Beastmaster when you heard about Roswell? I had – I was doing it. I think I, had, I think I had just finished it or I was doing it and then at the same time I had sent that tape to Endeavour. They saw that tape and then they signed me. <laughs> and it all just kind of – yeah, I, I thought I was just going to stay for seven episodes and then Roswell made it a regular that took care of all my, all my like SAG stuff, all my visa stuff. Very lucky. I think it's a lot harder to do that now. I think. Um, but so, yeah. so what was and it like when you got you got off the plane in in LA? Did you have a place to live? Did you know people? You just came and you were working immediately when you arrived, right? Yeah. Well, my mum came out and we sort of just. I guess the automatic place that we started looking to stay somewhere was West Hollywood. 
<laughs> bought a car and I was working at Paramount, which was so nice. So you would drive onto the Paramount lot every day for work. Like that That must have been a pretty thrilling feeling for somebody who'd read the magazines and imagined, you know, going into a real movie studio. I don't know. It's almost like I just – I had this vision. I feel – and I think this is an age thing, at least it was for me. This is what I'm going to do. There's there's no question. Well, there's no no. No, I'll make it happen. Yeah, you, you might say no, you might say no, you might say no, and, you know, I'm not going to get every job, but I'll, I'll get one. I'll make it happen. You know, it was kind of just the, the thought process, which I don't think I could do that now. I don't think I could stop, you know, like I did, not that it was a career per se, but I don't think I could, if I was dancing or something, be like, all right, I'm going to stop, I'm going to make it happen now. And I think a part of that is to just being older and having, you know, responsibilities, whether it's family or anything that you don't really have then, that you're almost a free, free spirit, free bird to kind of create your journey and not really have to take a huge amount of responsibility because you've still got your parents there you know you've still got kind of home if you need to go back I don't really feel like I could move back in my mom's house right now <laughs> you know right I, yeah it's having having that confident having that confidence and that fearlessness then I don't I don't think I, I I have confidence in a different way now and I have a fearlessness in a different way, but not like that. That was pretty ballsy. <laughs> and I remember meeting you, I think you were doing interviews on the set of Roswell with a I bunch think it of... Was, I, think it was at, I think it was at Paramount. Yeah, it was at Paramount and yeah. they, there were like little round table interviews yeah. and you were on one table, but it was a great cast. You look back now, you have like Catherine Heigl mm-hmm. and Colin Hanks and... Yeah, Shuri Appleby, Jason Bear, Nick Wexler. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he had an amazing cast. Yeah, and everyone was so nice. I mean, that that was really that was really how I like I learned most I had ever learned about this industry, because I was so absorbed in it. I was in a different place. This was now had become my life. They were all so kind and so sweet and so welcoming. Again, like that's how I like to learn too. If given the opportunity, is through experience I'm a good student but I'm not a a studious person my personality isn't to sit down in a classroom I think there's some fantastic acting classes out there and coaches I I just not to say that maybe it's not something I will explore and you know if for different reasons and being older now but in my past at least it's been something that I'm like well look if I'm going to do this it's because I can just do it organically yeah. And if so you I found can't, your process. Yeah, and if I can't do it like that, I shouldn't be doing it. That's always what I've thought. Not that that's right or wrong or whatever, but Well, that's what they say a lot of people who did Neighbours and Home and Away and shows like that. That was like their boot camp and right. you you did a series yeah. for a year and so Yeah, you're learning all the stuff that you're you learning need on to, the job. You're learning the technical side of it, you're learning because a lot of a lot of it really is. You know, it's not like you're I mean, there's obviously a technical side for stage work as well, but you know, there's so much stuff is is brand new and you're like, oh, hang on, so we're not being filmed all the time or, you know, it's your side, it's this, it's this or it's, you know, wait, we have to wait two hours for a turnaround sometimes, you know, like. Right. There's so many of those little things that obviously you just accept now but that throw a big spanner in the works when you're like, no, can't we just keep going? <laughs> so you'd finished Roswell and you did a few other episodic things and then Lost came along what a couple of years after that right 2004 yeah I um 
I wasn't on a green card. I was on an O-1 visa. But I think the O-1 was through Fox, right, which was the production company for Roswell, meaning that it didn't just automatically transfer. So, like, every job I had to get a different visa for, which makes it really hard when you're going out in guest star roles. And a lot of the time it's, you know, oh, we, we need you to start on Monday, so sorry, you know, even if you were to get it. But, yeah, a few of them worked out that had enough lead time. So I did a few little guest spots, but that that was a hard time to – it was a hard, like, what, couple of years to try and figure out. I did Brick, which was a really cool movie in that time. Oh, it was a great little Sundance film. Yeah, it was amazing. Ryan Johnson, who's – he's doing all right for himself now. Yeah. <laughs> and such a lovely guy. And I did a couple of other movies in that time. I think I did a movie in Canada. I, I did – oh, I did Carrie – that's which was right. An NBC movie of the week. Like, That's right. You know, remake of Carrie. That was in Canada too. Good old Canada. And um, so I was, I was working, and it was it was more long lead stuff. Like Brick had enough time, and you know the Carrie thing had enough time to get the visas. And it's if they had the money to do it too. So I was not not working, but it was you know just a bit more stressful. And then yeah, and then when I it was actually when I was doing a movie in in Canada that I sent a tape in for Lost. So what did you know about Lost when they said, hey, there's this show, can you send a tape in? Not much of anything. There was no script. You're on an island and they wanted an Australian girl was basically – and it's really cool. That was my, like, pitch on it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Well, so, so that was exciting because you'd done nothing with your own accent. Up till that point, right? I had no, – I think I did it – I did it like an NCIS episode. With your Aussie <laughs> with accent. With my Aussie accent before that. But, yeah, not like a – not a long job. And, yeah, and so that was And there were a lot of Australian nice. girls who were already working in LA back then, right? 2004 was before that – Yeah, you're right. – sort of yeah. invasion where, you Yeah, know, I mean there were but not like now. It's such a, it's such a huge, wonderful community now. But no, there, were, there weren't that many. And then I was also kind of excited because they're like, oh, we might shoot Lost in Australia, blah, blah, blah. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, because at that point I was getting, you know, I would still go home once, twice a year. But, you know, I would love home. I didn't move from home because I don't like it there or yeah. I don't like my family. It was just that, you know, opportunities were more plentiful in L.A., even though one never works in L.A. You right. have to be here to get the work, huh? um, as you know. Um, but... Yeah, I really didn't. I really didn't know much about Lost at all. So you sent the tape, and then did they fly you in for an audition, or did they flew me in for the pilot episode? So you were cast off the tape. Yeah. They never met you until no. you arrived to yeah. do the pilot, and you did the pilot in Hawaii too, right? Yeah, yeah, it was all there. That pilot, that was a cool. I mean, the whole show was. A I cool mean, experience, you know, I think the pilot of Lost was one of the most wow pilots anybody had ever seen at that time. Yeah, it was. You know, the full-on plane crash, the plane on the beach. It's like it's funny. I mean, I literally I've got goosebumps right now because I just filming it was a kind of a goosebumpy feel, and you never know when you're filming. This was my first pilot too, so oh I'd, I'd never done. You know, a your first pilot was Lost. Wow. <laughs> Did J.J. Abrams direct the pilot? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was him. that must have been cool then. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Before we knew if we were picked up or not, he had a, a little screening in his home um, where you know all the cast and people went to watch it, and it was it was just we all knew it was cool, but just everyone was just this is something very special. And and like you said, you hadn't seen it. I mean, 
Not to say that it's been replicated or duplicated by any means at this stage, um, but it really did break open all of these sort of boxes that people had put network TV into and wide open, like, no, it doesn't have to be this, this and this. You can kind of do whatever you want. And that's exactly what they did. And then they told you it's been picked up and it's filming in Hawaii. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So that was good for you but not Australia. Yeah, I mean, and I I was also going back and forth. I was still living in L.A., and going back and forth because, as we all know, that was a, you know, pretty decent-sized cast on on that show. And unless you were sort of Jack and Kate, you were not working every day. You know, we had episodes off or, we'd, you know, sometimes you'd work every day, sometimes you'd work one day an episode. So I would, I would commute back and forth to L.A. to Hawaii. But, yeah, Hawaii is amazing. The people are beautiful there. And, I mean, physically that place is just kind of – cinematic gold in a way yeah so take us back to what it felt like when you were when the show launched and it became a phenomenon pretty much almost immediately um it made everybody in the cast famous um but you were spending a lot of time in Hawaii where I guess people were not really you know didn't care as much about all that stuff no it was interesting because you knew but then you didn't really feel it there in a good way like it kind of just allowed you, you know, we're just, we're just doing our thing. Except the few people that we started to get like random paparazzis up palm trees sometimes. <laughs> it's all right. They got rid of them. But <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, it's not, yeah, it's not like you couldn't do that. The exposed beaches. And I mean, we, yeah, we would have people come and then you'd have, of course, people that would then go to Hawaii to come and watch us film. And But it's a little harder and a little more expensive to go do that than, yeah, if you're shooting in LA somewhere or whatnot. So it was nice, I think, being a little bit more removed and just doing the work and enjoying it. I noticed it when I'd come back here and I think that was the same for everyone. And when you came back here, what was that like? Was that when, you know, was there a certain point where you realised, wow, this is pretty big? Yeah, I mean, it was because I was coming back and forth. I sort of would, it just it just came bigger and bigger. You know, a lot, of, a lot of shows, they sort of hit their peak and then they kind of fizzle down a little bit, which is normal. You know, sort of the first two seasons of a show are generally the best and I don't know, I don't feel like we ever really hit that. We also, we just kind of kept going and ended with a bang. Predominantly, I think, because, um, you know, everyone involved, JJ and Damon and Carlton and Berkey, they all had this arc that they were like, well, this is the show, this is the arc and this is the story. If you, you, know, if you guys are picking us up, this is how we're going to do it. I think the network only wanted to – I mean, I think they, they only wanted to do five seasons and then the network wanted six out of them, so they negotiated doing shorter seasons to keep, you know, it intact and not put filler episodes in and, you know, I mean, it's so complex and to make everything – well, I was going to say make everything make sense, but I know it doesn't all make sense to everyone anyway. So you – did you all know – did they explain that vision to you? I mean, at what point did you know what was happening to Claire with the show, with the ending? I don't know if I ever really <laughs> knew what was happening. Uh, no, it's not true. I they were they were fantastic um, at talking with us and you know calling in and being like, hey, can you explain this or is there something else that we're gonna 
reveal in her backstory or, you know, or a forward story or sideways story that might affect this. So, you know, the communication was wide open, which was fantastic. But no, they did not want to really give up the whole plan, which was kind of cool. Kept us on our toes, that's for sure. What what were you like as a an acting family together on that show? Because I, I got lucky enough to be on that set a few times mm-hmm. with all of you and it was so cool to be on that beach where they where you had your little area set up, you know, with the hammocks and the tents and everything. And I know we would ha- we hang just out off in the, the main camps. road, like you know, you just drive off the main road and all of a sudden there's you know there's the world of Lost. No, um, it's fantastic. We would sit there with our copious amounts of bug spray cans. <laughs> And, yeah, no, it was beautiful in, in between, you know, setups. Like Terry and Josh and Naveen would play guitar. People would sing, would just hang out, you know. Because it would be too far most of the time yeah. to go back to your trailer. So, which, you know, sometimes was a bit of a drag because it could be raining, et cetera, but it definitely brings a cast together when you're like, okay, well, we're all going to sit here and hang out. And everyone was really so lovely, literally everyone. We had so many people come and go on that show and it was just a very sort of loving, relaxed atmosphere that I think everyone just felt kind of at home right away. Right. Yeah. It's also Lost probably was the first experience you had that introduced you to that the fanatical fandom that you've now had with Once um, Upon a Time. I don't know if Roswell had that on some level, but you seem to have a really great uh, approach to interacting with fans. I mean, even now on your social media, I see you, you know, you're always doing little shout outs to the fans on Twitter and things like that. And you go to conventions and you show up and you really want yeah. the fans well, to know that you care. Are, this is our audience. I mean, look, we do. Th- I, mean, I, I act. But not because everybody feels that way. No, I know. I mean, look, I act because I love it, but I don't. I don't act in my living room. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I act for people as well, and they're our audience. And if no one liked what I do or what we all do, then we wouldn't really. <laughs> there'd be no jobs. So, um, and especially on a really fan-driven show. And yeah, I have been on. Lost was kind of a double whammy. It was a really critically acclaimed show, but it was also a big, 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 big fan fanatic show. I mean, I guess everyone's a fan that watches a show, but you know what I mean? It was yeah. a fanatic. Well, it was very to the point it was where intense. they wanted to get online and discuss right. every little there thing. Were, people would have lost parties and have, you know, lost themes parties. It was fantastic. It was so cool. And everyone had their theories and it became like dinner discussion. It was really cool. And... I guess I didn't realize it much, but that was happening with with Roswell on a smaller on a smaller degree, but and also even less social media. I mean, look, I, Twitter and Instagram had not started. I don't think when we started Lost it started during during that, so we were kind of in the middle there. I mean, if Lost was on now, if Lost if the Lost pilot was on now, it would be an entirely different game. That would be crazy. Yeah. Even crazier, I should say. But um But what about Comic Con and things like that? Was that well, big Yeah, then? that was that was we did a Comic Con for Lost, yeah, but not like now. And there weren't conventions. You know, there weren't we weren't doing conventions or anything. They're gonna do though in twenty twenty, they're doing a at least they're trying to put it together in Hawaii, like a anniversary. Um, which would what? That would be like ten years since it finished. Yeah. 
God, 10 years. That's yes, crazy. you're right. It finished in 2010. Oh, that's insane. That was eight years ago. God. Well, yeah, because then yeah. I've been on Once Upon a Time since then. Right. That's crazy. Um, but, yeah, but there was there was a pretty huge fandom. I mean, look, Roswell, okay, Roswell was on the WB, which is now what, CW, for the first two years. Third year it moved to UPN and the only reason UPN picked it up was because these amazing fanatic fans sent in like thousands and thousands or however many bottles of tiny, tiny bottles of Tabasco sauce, which <laughs> was what the aliens, what we like, that was our thing. We put Tabasco sauce on everything in the show. <laughs> as That's you right. do as an alien um, in high school. That was like your telltale. Um, oh, they're an alien. They're putting in Tabasco on a pancake. <laughs> but so there they, was this huge ploy to keep it on the air, you know? So it's another, another amazing reason why, yeah, I think we should all, you know, love and respect and, you know, appreciate our fans because that's, that's a huge part of it. Getting to the end of Lost. I mean, you know, people are still talking about the ending of Lost and whether you know, whether they liked it, hated it. Nobody, I think, feels indifferently about it. No, you everyone's know, very, very opinionated. What was, When did you find out how it was going to end? And did God. you and the cast have the same opinion about it or did you all have that same kind of conversation together? I feel like, I feel like, the, I feel like if anyone is in the realm of being indifferent, it's the cast. Because of sort of going through it all and understanding that you can't, wrap up this show in a little box and say here is your last episode with all your answers it would have been in my opinion it would have been a big letdown like oh well why did I just watch this for six years if you're just going to tie it up right now why did I have all these questions I think people I think people like still having the questions and that you can almost put your own spin even though it does give a conclusion it doesn't answer everything and it doesn't sort of put a brick wall to other theories. Right. When did we find out? I don't remember finding out really before we got the script of the exact details. And, of course, we had this, like, blood-red coloured paper script because you can't photocopy. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you can take picture, whatever. Anyway, it's funny. And And then you had to be quiet. And then you had to be quiet. That's more than the point. Not say, hey, we're all dead. I know, right? (laughs) I know. Well, though, that was our biggest guess, though, during the pilot. We're like, oh, we're in purgatory. And they're like, no, no, no. No, no, of course you're not. <laughs> well, you knew at some point someone was going to get it right. Right, <laughs> yeah. Well, one would hope, right? <laughs> <laughs> so after that experience, you came back to L.A. And... Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't that long. Well, I also had a year off, though. I had right. a year. I my <laughs> Claire went rogue for <laughs> a year, and she came back um, slightly dishevelled. Shall we? Why put did it? you take a year <laughs> off? Was that a storyline? It was or? a storyline thing. So they had a, they had planned it. They had me on a holding deal for a season five, which is basically. So they, you knew you weren't going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and I knew I was coming <laughs> back for season six. They put you on. You know, they they pay you on a holding deal which allowed me to do other work but it didn't allow me to take other episodic work obviously because I yeah it would conflict and I knew I was going back but I was able to I, I think I did like five indies that year though I was just all over the place that's where I got little miss emotional dog Louise that I rescued in, in Baton Rouge 
And then I did remember yeah, I me wish that we could year. show everybody your gorgeous dogs that are sitting around us. We can take a us, picture with All right, them we, will. we will. We yeah. will. And then, yeah, so I did, I did a few movies. I did Remember Me that year as well. Um, and that was right at the height of Robert Pattinson's that was right Twilight. That, yeah, that was, kind of, that was crazy time. So that you was, and Robert Pattinson remember me. It was a good film. but Thank you. That, that might be my favourite job ever. Really? I, I, I love that film. I love everyone in that film. I love the writing. I think it was a beautiful story. Yeah. And just really fond memories of it. Um, no, that, that was my insight into, oh, my God, this is what Lost would be like if we were shooting in Manhattan. Because <laughs> we, yeah, it was literally right after the first Twilight had come out, I think. And, I mean, we shot probably 80% of that film on location in Manhattan. I don't want to say everyone, but most people... Because everyone was in love with him, all these little girls. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I must be a terrible person. And I remember, I remember like walking past some fans at some point and being like, oh, hi, how are you guys? And then I walk away and I hear them going, oh my God, she's nice. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> wait, she's not trying to take our real fake boyfriend away. <laughs> And I've met Robert many times, and oh, he's I mean, he was, he was that was a really tough thing for a guy like that to go through. He was so it's not tough that. for anyone, but no, he is the most sweet, quiet, sensitive. Yeah, like oh, he, he's such a lovely guy, and yeah, he's not he's not the boisterous kind of yes, I'm so awesome person. No, he's um that was a hard time, but it was amazing, and it turned out fantastic. I think so. And you did um, – did you do The Hills Have Eyes before or after once started? That was like maybe third season of Lost I did that. Really? Yeah, on okay. a hiatus. Oh, that's right. It was 2006. Quick yeah. little jaunt to Wazazart. In the to middle where? Wazazart. Wazazart in Morocco. In you practice saying that. Wazazart. I just like saying it. Wow, Morocco. Um, in the middle of the desert, so nowhere near the lovely water. And middle of yeah, middle of summer, sandstorms every day. And that was a really <laughs> that was a usually successful uh, horror franchise. It had sequels, and you know, well, that and that was a remake. And I don't, I'm myself not usually a fan of remakes. I loved this script though, and um, Alexandra Aja, who directed, who I met with prior to doing it, he just had this really interesting vision for it. And he didn't try and duplicate, I mean, yes, story-wise, he didn't try and duplicate though the visual of the original or the acting or the dynamic between the family. He put his his own into it so well that it ended up, yeah, it ended up really cool. I like that movie. And I got to wield an axe. That was, that was fun. <laughs> Blood all over me. <laughs> it was a nice break from sweet little Claire. <laughs> Well, when you finished Sweet Little Claire, what were you thinking about uh, in terms of the rest of your career? Were you worried about being typecast? Did you want to just do movies? Were you thinking I'd do another show? I don't know. I mean, the typecast thing always kind of plays in your head a little bit, at least for me when you're on something for that long, which was the first time. But then, you know, I've just come off something for that same amount of time too. It was such a big cast though. Beckett, one of the dogs, is giving Jenny... Lots of love. Oh, he's mm. really cute. Oh, he just sneezed on me. <laughs> <laughs> he's licking the sneeze off now. <laughs> Again, 
not me licking Jenny's feet yet. Um, I don't know. I didn't know that I wanted to do TV right again. I didn't know that I wanted to jump right back into a series because I thought, okay, maybe this is a good time to do just some, you know, whether it be, you know, shorter arcs on shows or films or whatever. Um, so I sort of took a minute to think about it. But then um, Adam and Eddie called me about Once Upon a Time, which was going to be just one episode though. It was? Yeah. My episode was in 2011. And were you right at the beginning? And it was like, it was like sort of a third of the way through. It was the first year. I remember because it was very cold up there and it was snowing. And they just said, we want you to play, um, you know, this fairy tale character. Yeah, well, that, which I, I didn't actually remember, but they, um, of course, I remembered when I ended up speaking to them again. They wrote, and looking at the scripts, they wrote like, all the beginning stuff for Claire, they really, Adam and Eddie really developed my character on Lost more than any of the other writers. So it was pretty cool. And they're just awesome wow. guys. They're good friends and going to see them tomorrow. So they um, were thinking of you after having worked with yeah, you on Lost. Yeah, and it was just like, hey, you know, we'd, we'd love you to do Belle. Would you have any interest in doing just an episode with Robert Carlyle, who I didn't know personally, but, you know, huge fan of his work. He's incredible and... Um, it's like, yeah, 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 of course, that sounds great. Talked about it, went up and did that and um, it went well. <laughs> you know, everyone liked it. Me and Robert worked really well together and they were like, oh, can you come back and do one more? Can you come back and do one more? So I think I did, I did three episodes, season one, and then um, they hadn't contracted me at that point to do season two as a regular yet because I, no, I did a pilot with Philip Noyce. Oh, right. That was the year I did that Americana pilot back in Manhattan, um, which sadly didn't get picked up on one note. But then, you know, I guess everything kind of happens for a reason, right? So when that didn't get picked up, they were like, well, do you want to come on as a regular on once? And, of course, I, I said, yeah, I'd love to. So that's where that happened. Now, this was like the antithesis of Hawaii. You were oh. going to Canada to the freezing cold, right? Where I got lost, I guess. So it was even more ironic. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you have any hesitation at all about knowing how long you could be there for and, and having yeah, had that yeah. experience on Lost where you're in somebody else's hands for years in terms of your character? I don't think I, I, don't think I really did and I think... The, there was, I think there's two reasons for that. One that I, um, I'd already done three episodes. So I kind of, I had already been able to answer questions that I would have had in my head of like, well, do I, do I see myself spending time in this location? Am I okay with that? Do I like the people? Right. Do I feel this so character? Kind of like is the character trial. working for me? Like do, you, do I think I can do something with it that's going to not only entertain, you know, our audience and do a good job but also fulfil me? And yeah, so I had, I, yeah, I'd kind of had a trial run. Um, and also it was, again, I was commuting sort of a bit back and forth to LA, but it's, that's a much easier commute, even though it's a different country, you know, you've got no time difference and it's a pretty short flight. So, and Vancouver's cool. Um, it rains a lot. <laughs> yeah, but you're not allowed to say that if you're not from Canada, apparently. What, you're they, not ne they never forgave David Duchovny for saying that. For saying what, that it rains a lot? Yeah. But it does, it rains a lot. But that's why it's so pretty and green too, right. you know. So, yeah. you know, it's apples and oranges. <laughs> um, and funny for a girl who didn't like Disney movies, 
Well, I'd you never seen up... it. I'd never <laughs> seen Beauty and the You'd Beast. You'd never seen Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> no, I did my first episode. And because they didn't want me to mimic it or copy it in any way, I was like, okay. <laughs> I think I watched it. I watched it after I did my episode. Because after having a conversation and was like, well, we don't want you to, you know, we want your spin on it. And we had such, that was, there's two favourite scripts I have. One was that first episode I did, Skin Deep, and one was the last episode I did, which was called Beauty. Not the finale, which I kind of pop in for. But um, we had such a great script. I didn't feel sort of lost and confused. I felt just like, oh, cool, this is what I'm going to do with it. And I remember watching it, though, after that. Like, oh, this is cool. (laughs) So did you – how did this character feel for you and this experience compared to Lost? Was it – you had another – a new family that you became close to, but it was a different world, a very different world, but maybe sort of a similar genre. One of the things I really liked, and and also I guess one of the reasons that – I wasn't terribly concerned, like you were asking me about, um, you know, getting on another show for maybe possibly a long time. It had two very black and white sides. You've got your fairy tale lands and you've got our sort of quote-unquote real world in Storybrooke. So it wasn't even like you were just playing one character. I mean, even though it's the same person, you know, a different world, different wardrobe, different ways of speaking and moving and interacting with people. So that was cool, but... Yeah, and I guess a little bit like Lost, but no, it was it was pretty different. Even though there was a, a a fantasy aspect to Lost in a way, we didn't think there was or know there was just like this. Though it's all your own, it's yeah. all the character's reality, right? You know, and Claire didn't know. Yeah, she was in purgatory, right? And even though Belle knows that that's okay, well, I was I'm a princess, and that's you know what I wear there, and it's not weird to her though. Yeah, yeah. there must have been a lot of funny situations in that show with all of you inhabiting all these fairy tale characters I mean did it just become normal for all of you it did weirdly it did yeah I mean (laughs) it was more just cool when you've seen everyone dressed up and we had amazing sets too and I mean a lot of our stuff was green screen that was something new for me green screens challenging I really like it in a way because it's almost like your stage, your sort of clean slate and you can do what you want and imagine what you want and create what you want. On the other hand, it's like, okay, where the hell is the door? What am I looking at? So, you know, there's two sides to that. Um, But that was fun. That was another fun thing to sort of learn and get better at and identify what works and what doesn't work as well. And then when they decided to reboot once, um, I think it was the last, the Mm -hmm. final season, it ended up becoming the final season this Mm -hmm. year. Um, They rebooted it in a way where some of your characters were just no longer going to be part of the show. Mm -hmm. So how how did that feel when you knew the show was going to continue? Were you ready to go or was it bittersweet? Yes and no. It was bittersweet but, I mean, it didn't... um you know, if you're going to change a show up, you've got to change it up. And if, if that was their prerogative was to, okay, we're not just going to kind of add some people, we're going to drastically change our location, we're adding, new, you know, a bunch of new regulars, we're doing a whole thing. You know, it's not like you're like, oh, why am I the only one going? Or It's not know, like they said we're killing you right, off and everything right. else is staying so the same. So it wasn't, yeah, so it wasn't really a 
the stab in the heart or anything. And I came back and I did a really cool episode um, in the final season, which I love, that one I was talking about, where I, I get to grow really old and, and die and had all these beautiful scenes with Bobby. And, um, and you know, yeah, it had been a long time. That was what going into like my 13th year on a show <laughs> kind of in a row. So, you know, which is fantastic. And like I would have totally kept going. But and were you pregnant time, while you were working on once? I was. I was pregnant during. Um, I was pregnant during season five, which I found out literally just before. I found out just before Comic Con that year. Oh, I was feeling so sick there, and um, yeah, and then told them, and they're like, "Oh, that's amazing! We'll let you know if we're going to write it in or not." I'm like, "Oh, cool!" Thinking, "Oh my god, that would be amazing." I just, you know, yes, I've obviously played pregnant and with babies before but oh you're, you're pregnant alien in roswell you're i was pregnant in lost i mean yeah so they 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 wrote it in because and i thought oh that'd be cool you know being pregnant and actually playing it but they, they didn't actually end up writing until like quite late on when i was already quite big i still remember and it just cracks me up i always tell this story there's a scene where um mr gold bobby's character tells bell he tells her she's pregnant because he has seen it in a vision, in a nutshell, right? So he tells her and they're standing quite close together and I'm meant to be, you know, literally just pregnant. So no how idea. would I know? My stomach is so big it's touching him because they wanted us this close. On, I'm holding another character. I'm holding Zelina's infant baby on my – it's literally like resting on my stomach. He's like, Belle, you're pregnant. I think we got one takeout where I'm not like, oh, really? <laughs> where you're like, no shit. <laughs> I know. Well, no, we were just laughing. He's like, you're pregnant. He would just laugh. I would laugh. Because I was like, oh, what? What? Are you sure? <laughs> so it's the, you, you got to have to play that whole pregnancy and loss for a long time with Claire. <laughs> it was a long bloody where time. Where you weren't pregnant. And then you got to be pregnant and play pregnant, but not at the same time as you're pregnant. I've done it all, Jenny. I've done, <laughs> I've covered the pregnancy That's field. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people didn't even know you're Australian and maybe some of them don't now. But um, over the years... I'm not. This is all just a fake yeah. voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, over the years since you've been here, you and I have both seen just an influx of... Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when we um, we had you at the Australians in Film event and you, you Brian Burke gave you the Breakthrough Award mm-hmm. um, when you were, I think, newly on Lost, maybe. I think it was like, what, 2006 maybe? And now, you know, there's like 30 breakthroughs a year. That's crazy. <laughs> um, That's cool. Did you – Lost had an Australian element to it because the plane was on the way to Australia, so they did have some Australians coming and going quite yeah. a bit. But have you had much to do with – you know, you haven't got to go home really and work. Have you had much to do with the Australian community and do you want to kind of explore that, finally get back there and make something? Yeah, well, we, we were, yeah, I mean, sort of continuing our conversation from a few weeks ago. I I would love to. And it's it's kind of funny if you're not – like I know I did I did Beastmaster there, but as you said too, it's it was not an Australian production. It never grounded my feet in the film community there. And because I started working here, I don't think it's purely because people think I'm not Australian. Maybe that's part of it or maybe it's just like, oh, her life's here and perception, you know, people not knowing. But I no, I would love more than anything to spend more time back home. I'd love my daughter to be able to spend more time back home. I mean, Eric 
wants to, you know, my husband wants to make films there if he can. We would love to spend time there and do some stuff there. So, you know, I'm I'm taking a, a big active approach to trying to make that happen in the very, very near future. Because okay, so you're you know, listening all the Australian Everyone out, out there, there. <laughs> I'd love to work back home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's cool. And the you know, the Aussies in film that are here, we we all get to meet each other now and, you know, able to be actually in LA, me, I mean, and, you know, come to, you know, you guys events more and meet more people and because that's a lot of the time how you can make things happen. It's like, oh, I was thinking of that. Would you be interested? Is that something you'd like to do? Or, you know, and just have creative conversations kind of off the cuff mm. and explore what people are open to. And, yeah, because there's so much – this the crews in Oz are amazing. Obviously the locations are phenomenal. You can't really beat it, so – there you go. Next step, next goal, bucket list. That's, that's right. Your husband's a talented filmmaker. Yeah. Did you meet um, making a movie with him? We met, yeah. So that would have been – what did I do? I did that right at the end of season oh, – <laughs> season – That was the submarine Four. Kid? Yeah, the submarine. 2015. Yeah, so the end of season four when we wrapped season four on Once Upon a Time, on hiatus, I did a film with Eric Billich and that's how we met. And that shot in LA, one of the few jobs that I've done in LA. We were not dating when we did it, but we were afterwards, obviously. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. And now you have a daughter. Now we have a daughter. A half Australian daughter. A half Aussie little one, yep. She sounds pretty Aussie now too, it's funny. I obviously talk a lot more than he does. <laughs> So why do you think um, Australians are so popular? Um, and given it's such a small country, and I ask everybody in the podcast this, everybody has theories about because it is an unusually amount, a large amount of representation it is. from it is. a small country. It's, it's a huge, and it's not a just huge in number. front of the cameras, but everywhere. No, no, in in every field. In I don't have an answer, like an ironclad answer. My belief is that just in general. Australians are real go-getters and we're so open to opportunity and craving opportunity and craving adventure. You know, we're also a country that likes to travel a lot and explore a lot and in essence this is exploring and creating and, and travelling for this job. So I think just being really free and open to new experiences and creating stuff um, – and personality-wise, just we're not, a, we're not a reserved country. We'll tell you how we feel or what we think to our detriment probably sometimes. But, you know, we're like a really honest country and really open and super sarcastic and self-deprecating. And I think that's refreshing mm. in America. Not that America is a repressed country, but, you know my God, the sarcasm level here and the sort of, you know, openness. Is, yeah, it is really different. And I think that it's just something fresh and really endearing and becoming, especially when being – whether you're being an actor or a director or a writer or a cinematographer or whatever your part is in this industry, it's always about telling a different story. It's not about you. It's about learning and being open and talking and creating something 
and I think our attitude and personality kind of thrives in that environment. Yeah, and we, we're hard workers. That was a long-winded <laughs> explanation, yeah. wasn't it? It's a good one. It's, you know, it's I totally agree and I think because we're in this isolated part of the world, it's also, I think, makes that drive to get out and experience the world a little bit yeah. stronger in us than if you were living in Kansas or right. Oklahoma or somewhere, you know. But it's kind of funny too because at least all the Aussies I know, no one's like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not in Australia. You know what I mean? That's we all true. love our country. So it's not about... Even more so. There's nothing more patriotic than no. an Australian not in Australia. So, so it's not trying to. it's not trying to escape... I think it's just a, it's trying to just broaden your world. I don't know. It's Yeah, it's funny because usually people that make a massive move are not terribly attached to their country unless they have to. Yeah. But we're all like so attached and love Australia so much. Yeah. Do you still stay in touch with all your TV families? I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people. Yeah, it's cool because you, you do. You, you, get a, you make such a close bond and then it's just kind of, oh, okay. We're done. Bye. <laughs> but it's not really bye. I mean, for some people it is, I guess. But I don't know if you reflect much on your career, but it is, it's pretty amazing that somebody that, you know, didn't have a massive movie in Australia or wasn't on Neighbours or Home and Away ended up with, you know, being in two back-to-back shows that were so iconic and so huge and, you know, for half of your life almost um well maybe not quite that but I mean mean, I've been here half my life it's sort of your own fairy tale really I mean does it feel like wow you know it's lightning in a bottle to get a show like Lost and then you did it all over again with you know Once Upon a Time no it is and and like I kind of touched on earlier I don't think I not that I never appreciated it I always appreciated you know success and having work and things happening but it was when you when I was younger, at least. It was just like, well, no, you know, the, this is going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. I don't expect everyone to do it for me by any means. I have to do it. I have to put the work in. I have to make the calls. I have to do everything to do it. But I'm going to do it. Just having this crazy self belief, but n- not in an egotistical way no. at all. I mean, by the way, a lot of self doubt, a lot of like thinking you crap at what you do goes along with this I don't want you to th- or anyone to think it's it's not not having that that kind of just that comes with the job and you know it was able to get through that though and able to use that I suppose as even more drive of when things were not going well or when people were not being nice or not being helpful or you know you feel like well nothing's going to happen and you just have to power through instead of letting that self-doubt creep in so far that you do just give up because you can't very easily no not everyone's going to say yes Emily you're you're a good actor you're good at you know you're great for this not at all because it's all an opinionated thing like any art form right I don't probably like every actor you like or every director you like everyone's going to have their own you know thing so it's it's weird like that it's not like doing a math exam where you get it right or wrong it's it's pretty amazing. I look back and I am, yeah, I'm really, really lucky. I am not meaning that it's just luck, you know. I, I worked my ass off to get where I am, but it's it's pretty cool, yeah. And I, I, I don't know, I wouldn't take any of it back. 
even though I, you know, I do miss this, this times in my life. And I'm like, what would have happened if I just kept dancing? <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I'd be retiring right now, A, <laughs> because you can't really go on any longer. Maybe you'd be teaching ballet by now. I don't know if I would be the best teacher. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you, you know, your career is really only just, you know, you're still in the infancy of the years you could work, so... Well, knock on wood. I, I'm going to actually... There we go. <laughs> yeah. Because I said it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I look, with everything in the environment, not getting into it, but what's going on, you know, I think we're in a fantastic position to have a lot of good, um, good female roles and good jobs for women in this industry in every aspect. So, you know... I'm looking forward to what's next and, yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> thank you so much for talking on Aussies in Hollywood because we are yeah. Aussies in Hollywood. <laughs> well, in Altadena Aussies today. in Altadena, you need to rename it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. It's lovely to have watched you, almost watched you grow up, I feel like, um, yeah. you know, and to be a great mom and, you know, everything else. Thank you, else. Jenny. So oh, I love lovely. you and I, I cherish our friendship so much. Oh. You're so, you're so awesome. No, for anyone that doesn't know Jenny, she's she's a pretty cool lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you 20 bucks later. <laughs> Wait, I thought we said 50. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Emily. Oh, thank you, darling. Bye. Bye. After listening to Emily, I'm sure you understand now why she's so beloved by fans of both her long-running shows. It's lovely to have watched her journey over two decades, going from strength to strength, both personally and professionally. Shortly after we recorded this, Emily texted me a cute video in which she had her daughter Vera announce she was going to be a big sister, and her second child, a boy, will arrive later this year. Congratulations, Emily. You can also check my Twitter handle, at Jenny Cooney, if you want to see some cute photos of Emily with her three dogs. They were adorable. That's all from Aussies in Hollywood. Until next time. Aussies in Hollywood was presented by me, Jenny Cooney, and recorded in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production was by Nick Slater, and executive producer was Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the app or look me up on iTunes.